the heart of art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Hector Nino. Hello, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the KME Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art. All right, well, to start off our show for today, we will start off with some art announcements. And for the first one, we have uh, the Brazos Blue Bonnet Quilt Guild. The Brazos Blue Bonnet Quilt Guild will be having their 33rd quilt show. Um, and this year's competition will be a world of color. Uh, this is going to take place in the Brazos County Expo, and it'll be June 17th to the 18th, so this weekend. And there will be vendors, appraisals, and the competition, of course, so there will be a lot to see. Make sure you go check them out if you have the time this weekend. Um, but there are also a couple of performances going on this weekend. Uh, we have, like I promoted last week, uh, Newsies with the Theater Company is still um, showing this weekend. Uh, set in New York City in the early 1900s with the New boys um, there's a lot of dancing so make sure to go check that out but if you're looking for something a little more serious a little more dramatic uh, there will be a performance of steel magnolias by stage center um, down in um, downtown Bryan um, and this will be at 7:30 in the weekends and a Sunday matinee at 2 p.m. All right, and for today's show, we have um, Dr. Mark Sadowski, who is actually a retired professor uh, turned landscape photographer. Uh, well, he's actually been a landscape photographer, but because he was a professor, he had to kind of move it to the side. But now he is a photographer full time. Um, he loves it and he is great at it. He was also the director of educational research at the Texas A&M Health Science Center College of Medicine. Uh, so yeah, we have a great conversation about uh, photography and about all the things he has to do to get those perfect shots. Um, and then after my conversation with Dr. Sadowski, we will be listening to a performance by uh, the Mariachi Sanchez. Uh, we actually re recorded this um, at the Starlight Music Series, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, the people from um, the College Station Parks and Rec Department helped me out to record this. And their first song will be uh, Piel Canela, which is Cinnamon Skin, by originally by Bobby Capo in uh, 1952. And the second song will be Ami Manera, or My Way, uh, which is performed by Vicente Fernandez in 1983, but he got it from Frank Sinatra in 1969. Um, he's the one that translated to Spanish, but Frank Sinatra actually got it from uh, Claude Francois, and that was actually in 1967. So it was originally in French, but made it all the way to Mexico, and now is in a mariachi group. So um, yeah, it's a lot of history, and I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, good evening everyone. Welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino and you're listening to The Heart of Art. Today in the studio we have a very special guest. Uh, they are a retired professor here from Texas A&M and was once the Director of Educational Research in the Texas A&M Health Science Center College of Medicine. Uh, but now they are a photographer and they like to um, 
capture immense earthly structures, and they're amazing. And his name is uh, Dr. Mark Sadowski. So, hi, Mark. How are you today? Hi, Doctor. I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for stopping by. Um, I heard you were also a winner recently, first place in the semi-professional division in the Visual Arts Society. So, congratulations for that. Thank you. All right. Well, um, to start off, I like to go through the background of my guests and seeing where their love for art began. So I saw that uh, uh, you, a lot of your education was from Southern Connecticut. Is that is that correct? Yes. Uh, my undergraduate and uh, master's degree were from Southern Connecticut State University, and I received my Ph.D. from the University of Connecticut. Awesome. And uh, was this where your interest in photography started in Connecticut? Uh, yeah, actually, my interest in art in general um, started quite young. Um, when I was young, seven, eight, nine years old, uh, I uh, exhibited some talent for freehand drawing. Oh, really? uh, yeah, I drew a lot. And my parents, who really could not well afford it, um, got me private art lessons uh, a couple of days a week. And I learned a lot about drawing and painting there. Um, I had four years of art in high school, uh, and then when I went to college, um, I did not major or minor in art, but I took enough art courses so that I had the equivalent of a minor in art, including courses in design, painting, ceramics, and so on. Awesome. So my formal background in the arts is um, pretty broad. Mm -hmm. I picked up photography uh, in college. Uh, it, was, it gained a lot of popularity at the time, and... Um, I that was film days and uh, black and white film and uh, had experiences of my own little dark room that I had in my apartment and uh, got involved in photography that way. Awesome. Later, um, I switched over to color slides and uh, because there was a local club that had color slide competitions. And I actually won some awards there and did pretty well in color slide competition. Um, I guess a defining moment in my uh, interest in photography came in 1970 when um, I met the great landscape photographer Ansel Adams. Hmm. He uh, had an exhibit of his works at the, the uh, Yale Art Gallery in New Haven, Connecticut, and being interested in photography, I went down to see it and uh, fortunately uh, met Ansel Adams there. Um, wow. He was just kind of standing at the opening of the place, and I guess I was early because uh, he came over and said hello and, you know, come right in, and he was very jovial and very nice. It's not like we had a long conversation or anything. <laughs> but uh, the pictures there that I saw just were staggering. Um, it, you know, it, it was really kind of a... a career-altering sort of a thing, or hobby-altering sort of a thing. I never had a career in photography. Mm -hmm. And I started taking landscape photographs after that and um, went on to, you know, work in color, color slides. And uh, that's how my interest in that began. Um, later on, a career and family and all that, uh, my hobbies got kind of put on the back shelf. Right. And it was later on um, when digital photography took over from film that I got back into it. 
and my interest in landscape photography uh, persisted, and I've been doing landscape photography as a hobby, kind of an uh, advanced amateur, I guess I'd call myself, ever since. Wow, awesome. So as the technology changes, then you're kind of growing with the technology as well, right? I did, but mm -hmm. I, you know, it was interesting to have experienced the old film and darkroom right. days and then slides and then uh, you know, much of what Lightroom and Photoshop do uh, today is sort of digital darkroom. Right. And that, that's actually a good way to describe it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I love that your parents also were supportive in your art endeavors, you know, because that's something that I was not lucky enough to have. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love hearing that you had that support from your family. Um, I was wondering whether moving from Connecticut to Texas, how, how did that happen? How, wh why did you move to Texas? Well, um, when I got my Ph.D. from the University of Connecticut, um, I started looking for jobs in academia. And mm -hmm. Texas A&M was one of the prime jobs that year. And, and uh, I moved to Texas and been here ever since. Awesome. And... Um, was your possibilities of what you could photograph change because of the landscape change? I bet must be very different from Connecticut and here. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I can't say that I spent a lot of time taking pictures around here in Texas when I moved because, uh, again, it was a career and family, and um, I did not do a whole lot of photography. But there are, I mean, certainly the Big Bend is one location right. which is very scenic, uh, and there's other places that around in Texas, some of the state parks, Caddo Lake is a big uh, draw for photographers. I haven't been there yet, but I'm planning on going there soon. Awesome. Um, and have you always had that inclination to photographing landscapes specifically, or was this something that you learned when you started photographing? Um, yeah, the landscape stuff largely came from Ansel Adams and other photographers. Hmm. Uh, perhaps I had an, an early uh, influence on that because uh, in my home when I was growing up, we had, as an awful lot of homes had, National Geographic magazine. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot, always plenty of uh, uh, landscapes and travel photography in there. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, we had a subscription to Arizona Highways. Someone in the family had been out to visit a relative in Arizona and was impressed with it and subscribed. So I was looking at these wonderful pictures of the West and uh, Arizona highways, and uh, my father actually had done some amateur photography. I think we had Popular Photography magazine in the house for a while. So I grew up looking at a lot of you know National Geographic-type photos, Arizona highways-type photos, almost all of which was landscape and nature stuff. So that's probably where it came from. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I was actually going to ask uh, about your position here at A&M and how you were able to balance the work versus your art. Were you able to? Did you have to put uh, photography aside completely uh, until you found the time, or how did that work? Um, I can, When we took, my wife and I would take vacations. Okay. Uh, I remember we, um, I got some pretty good color slides in Yosemite National Park uh, back when my wife and I were married. I took the cameras along on a trip we took out there. And, uh, but by and large, yeah, I did not pursue photography as a hobby very much during the early part of my career or even the middle part of my career. Um, take pictures of family and, right. you know, kids playing soccer, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. all that kind of thing. That's what happens and probably that's completely appropriate. Um, but 
um, I, I didn't lose my interest or love for it, and, and uh, I kind of kept up. Uh, later on when I got into it, I started taking workshops with photographers, which has been a very uh, positive uh, development for me. I think the first workshop that I took was with a National Geographic photographer named Bob Christ, and just seeing his pictures and listening to his lectures about how he took them and then actually going out in the field and taking some pictures and having this guy give you pointers. Wow, that was a, a really interesting experience. To, um, and, and I've been going on photo workshops with uh, some fairly well-known landscape photographers since. Awesome. And do you have any, um, like, your favorite locations that you would, well, maybe you have visited a couple times? Yeah. Um, I guess the, I've been to a lot of different places, mm -hmm. but I guess the place that I've been to most is Utah. Um, the has like five national parks, all of which are just incredibly beautiful. Bryce Canyon, Canyonlands, Arches, um, Monument Valley is on the border of Utah and Arizona, which is another wonderful place to go and take pictures. So I've been to Utah a lot, but a lot of other places too. Um, been to Death Valley a couple of times, uh, the, uh, the uh, Oregon coast, the Washington coast. Uh, more recently, um, I was up on the Washington Coast Olympic National Park and um, also Great Smoky National Park in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been, you know, getting around. But I guess a lot of my photography has been uh, places in and around national parks because they're national parks for a reason. Right. There's just beautiful stuff there. Yeah, they want to keep that untouched by humankind. Um, I had a... A question, a little controversial, maybe. Uh, what camera do you prefer to use? Because I know it doesn't matter what camera you use, but I wanted to ask if you had a certain preference and if you use drones, because some of the images appear to be from very high places and they capture the full, immense wholeness of the place. So, yeah, what do you use to photograph? Uh, my cameras, I use Sony camera bodies and uh, Carl Zeiss lenses. Oh, okay. uh, Sony and Carl Zeiss have a... A cooperative agreement and they build uh, lenses with has both the Zeiss badge and the Sony badge on them awesome. and they're terrific lenses and uh, Sony uh, because that's what I started with mm -hmm. um, you find that with a lot of photographers you get used to the software and their equipment and you stay with them but they're fine cameras as are a lot of other cameras I mean there's there's you know uh, half a dozen ten different really good camera companies that have really good lenses and you just kind of pick one that has the most advantages for you or in a lot of cases the one you started with is the one you stick with right you just got to work with different lenses <laughs> um and do you use a drone is is that a thing or no no i haven't okay. uh, I, ha I haven't gotten into drone photography yet not sure okay. that i will hmm. um if a lot of my pictures were taken from high places because I climbed up there. Okay, yeah, then it was very high placed. Wow. <laughs> I would have got, been a little scared there myself. Um, do you still travel for photography now? I do. You do? Okay. I do. Um, last year I had photo workshops in uh, Great Smoky Mountains National Park and also in Olympic National Park. And so that was through last year. This year... Um, I'm going back to Death Valley in December. 
Okay. And my, uh, I'm actually already um, planning, haven't got anything firm yet, but my photo workshops for 2023. Awesome, awesome. And um, I was wondering what your artistic process was like exactly, or how do you, um, do you see something that you think might look good on camera, and how does that whole process work? Oh, you do. One of the things about landscape photography is um, you get to go to beautiful places and often at beautiful times. Uh, and one of the things that the workshop provides is guides to take you to these places and uh, get you there when the light is good, which typically is uh, dusk and dawn. That's when uh, landscape photographers are out the most. And the golden um, hour. Yeah, once you get there, then um, you know your eye for composition takes over. And a lot of my background training in art and uh, painting and right. I certainly looked at a lot of pictures over the years and still do. That kind of takes over. The formal training helps, but just kind of knowing the kind of pictures that other photographers get helps a lot as well. That's kind of intuitive. So a lot of my compositions are intuitive. Um, I can't say that I plan a whole lot. You go to places and you start to look around and say, whoa, that caught my eye and that would make a really good picture. And a lot of times um, you're there before sunrise, so you wait and see if the light develops and what you get for clouds in the sky and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And Hector, it's just beautiful to be there, Yeah. some of these places. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's cold, mm -hmm. and some days it's even wet. Mm -hmm. But just to be out in nature in these beautiful places is um, quite a thing. Taking the pictures is almost gravy. Right, that's the easy part. <laughs> Um, I was actually w wanting to ask you if you had any interesting stories about these places you've been to, whether it be close encounters that you've had with some fa fauna or maybe uh, some people that you've met along the way. Um, well, I have been on the workshops with a lot of very interesting people, uh, and uh, they're not exactly household names, but some of these people are uh, very accomplished photographers themselves. and. Um, sometimes they have very interesting stories. I, I don't know that I have a very interesting uh, tale to tell. A couple of the pictures that I've gotten were from uh, places where people don't go very often. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite pictures is from a place called False Kiva. And what the False Kiva is, is a place in Canyonlands National Park, which is in an alcove in the side of a cliff. Hmm. Somewhere in ancient times, a ring of stones about eight feet wide was built there. Okay. I imagine this alcove or a little cave in the side of a cliff, it's about as big as a two-car garage with this ring of stones in the middle of it. And if you stand in the back and look across that ring of stones, you get the most staggering panorama out there across Canyonlands National Park with all these mesas and you know the canyons down below. And, but it's a little difficult to get there. You don't want to go there alone, A, because you get lost, and B, because you have to climb up the side of a cliff. Right. I was wondering how you get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making it sound worse than it was, but you, but you actually do have to climb hand over hand. Wow. So usually you go there with a couple of people and, you know, you take off your gear and somebody climbs up and then you hand up your gear and then you climb up and, you know, get inside the alcove and just hope you get good sky, good light, uh, and that kind of thing. And, and 
uh, that's one place that I went, which was uh, a little bit risky, and few people go there and photograph that. I've had a couple of experiences like that, which I guess are highlights. Mm -hmm. Well, good thing you've come out alive, and people can enjoy your work. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. I would think I wouldn't take really big risks, okay. but um, again, going there with people who know how to get to these right. places and know the appropriate, you know, the proper safety uh, precautions, uh, that helps a lot. Right, experienced individuals are always a good thing to have. Um, so, where can people find your work, and where can they see it? Well, right now, I've got a uh, an exhibit at the gallery over in Bryan. Awesome. And uh, we opened on May 27th. Uh, I think it's closed right now because the owner is traveling. Okay. But I think on June 11th she's coming back and uh, you can go there pretty much any day and see the exhibit. And uh, it lasts through June 30th. Okay. And that's at the gallery. It's over on, uh, I think it's 903 Rosemary, North Rosemary Drive in Bryan. Um, Derry Degas, the name of the gallery owner, and um, I've got about 25 pictures hanging there in her main gallery. Awesome. So there's a lot for there to pe for people to look at there. Definitely. Yeah. I encourage everyone to go and check out Dr. Sadowski's work. And, well, I think that's the end of our interview. I, that's all the questions I have for you today. Um, thank you so much for stopping by, and thank you for your work. Well, thank you for having me again. I uh, have loved every minute of it. Now we will be listening to a performance by Mariachi Sanchez, and they will be performing Piel Canela, or Cinnamon Skin, originally by Bobby Capoe from 1952. Hope you enjoy. Se quede el infinito sin estrellas O que pierde el ancho mar su inmensidad Pero el negro de tus ojos que no muera Y el canela de tu piel se quede igual 
Si perdiera el arco iris su belleza O las flores su perfume y su color No sería tan inmensa mi tristeza Como aquella de quedarme sin tu amor Alright, to close off the show, we will be ending with Mariachi Sanchez performing A Mi Manera, as performed by Vicente Fernandez in 1983. Hope you enjoy, and make sure to tune in next week. Ya lo esperaré serenamente. Ya ves, yo he sido así. Te lo diré sinceramente. Viví la inmensidad. No sé si más que otro cualquiera jugué sin descansar a mi manera jamás viví un amor que para mí fuera importante Corté solo una flor y lo mejor de cada instante viajé y disfruté no sé si más que otro cualquiera tal vez todo esto fue a mi manera tal vez lloré o tal vez reí tal vez gané o tal vez perdí ahora sé que fui feliz 
Heart of Art with Hector Nino, scoping the Brazos Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Only on KMUFM 90.9.